Okay, Acts chapter 9, we're going to start in verse 19, well, 19b, uh, which is the second part of the verse, and we're going to go through, chap through uh, verse 26, and it says this, Saul was with the disciples in Damascus for some time. Immediately he began proclaiming Jesus in the synagogues. He is the Son of God. All who heard him were astounded and said, Isn't this the man in Jerusalem who was causing havoc for those who called on the name on his on this name and came here for the purpose of taking them as prisoners to the chief priests? But Saul grew stronger and he kept confounding the Jews, or befuddling the Jews, I like that word better, uh, who lived in Damascus by proof by, by proving that Jesus is the Messiah. After many days had passed, the Jews conspired to kill him, but Saul learned of their plot. So they were watching the gates day and night, intending to kill him. But his disciples took him by night and lowered him in a large basket through an opening in the wall. When he arrived in Jerusalem, he tried to join the disciples, but they were afraid of him since they did not believe he was a disciple. Jesus, we pray that you would open up your word to us here this morning. God, show us the nuggets. God, show us the goodies. God, that we can take, and Lord, that we can see in this passage and, sit and take and, and celebrate and rejoice with great joy because of the revelation of Jesus Christ that we can also receive as you gave it to Saul that day and those years. We thank you, God, for this time together. Bless us and speak to us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. <clears throat> so, retreats are kind of amazing. Have you ever, anyone been, been on retreats? On a, like a winter camp, winter retreat, or some sort of summer retreat or so, of some sort? Well, we had a ball. Literally. We had two of them. <laughs> Those are Zorb balls. And Zorb balls are... Uh, these big inflatable things, and we were playing sumo wrestling with them. And Josh can attest with me that, oh my gosh, there's so much work. <laughs> the, the whole time I was in one, I was trying, A, to, to, to uh, push out of the circle a kid who was literally half my age. Um, I feel like the old guy now. <laughs> and I was trying not to throw up. <laughs> I was using every muscle in my body, and we did this right after lunch. A little, a little, a little, a little bit after lunch, and uh, and and Ryan, you Ryan, you know too, you know he knows the struggle with uh, trying to get a you know giant ball out of the circle, uh, but I I got I got the kid out once, and then it was a stalemate because neither one of us were willing to give up. But uh, so retreats are amazing. So this is not all the only thing that we did on at men's retreat this weekend. This was just, this was just a, a good bit of fun we had, a highlight, yeah. As you, as you can see, so it was a great, a great weekend of, re, of retreating together. But that's where I want to talk through this morning. The retreats are amazing. Gosh, I've been going to retreats since I was in like third, fourth grade, and I can easily, I can say that you know confidently that I've easily been to over a hundred retreats and camps over the course of my life, easily, uh, if not way you know more than that. Just I love retreats. I worked at summer camps from like 04 through like 08. Um, 
just work summer after summer. And then I took my, my teenagers to summer camp when I was a youth pastor for another like 10 years. And then before that, before I started working at camps, I was going to camps as a teenager and going as a worker and taking and going as a youth counselor. For, I, just, I love retreats. And the men's retreat this last weekend was probably the most impactful and powerful retreat that I've ever been to in my entire life. It was an incredible weekend of God's presence. We made the theme for it and we were putting it together. It was just, we wanted men to go out into the wilderness, go out into the mountains and pursue passionately the presence of God. And we got the presence of God. And the presence of God kept the bears away. (laughs) In fact, we got a special gift uh, from the men's retreat. So one of the guys that was helping us put it together handmade every man a leather pouch. And we branded it with the brand of the men's retreat. You can't really just kind of see it. You just kind of shimmer it, shine it <laughs> a little bit. But so we got a, we called it a doggy bag. This is kind of our doggy bag, if you will. But we got a doggy bag paper as well from the men's retreat. And this was probably one of the greatest things that I think I've, I don't know why we never did this, but it's just a, pa- a piece of paper that we're meant to keep with, with ourselves for this the entire year and to really kind of process the retreat, to take it and figure out, okay, well, how can I apply all the things that I've learned from this retreat and continue to delve into these things, to remind myself, oh, I should have brought it. Well, I have a little, little journal that we gave every one of the guys to make notes from the weekend, so it's all consolidated together. But it's not only to, for the retreat, but also for notes as we process through these things. And, app, and, and apply all these things. Because retreats are not supposed to stay on the mountain. Retreats are the preparation ground for what God wants to do. They're the equipping and the spiritual formation that go, they're kind of a hiatus, not a hiatus, but kind of a, a Sabbath from the daily hustle and bustle of life to go into the presence of God so that we can come back different, come back changed with, with a new passion, a new vision for what God wants to do in our lives going forward. Retreats are amazing opportunities to encounter and to receive a fresh revelation of Jesus Christ. So spiritual transformation, that's where it's found. Spiritual transformation is found in the revelation of Jesus Christ. From camps to retreats, to Jesus, to Paul, to the Second Great Awakening, spiritual transformation is found in these times of retreat. It's found in a fresh revelation of Jesus Christ. And that's exactly what Saul, or Paul, as we're going to come to get to know him, got to experience. And here's where I want to say this. So, you know, in our passage, we can't really see this. And I didn't actually learn this until just a few years ago. I went through Christian college. I went to, 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 I got my bachelor's in theology. I went and got my master's in theology. And it took me reading a book that I never read in those places to give me a, a vision of the Bible and realize, oh my gosh, this is in the Bible. And I had no idea that this is the, so 
the timeline here, as you can kind of see in your thing there. Um, so he comes to Damascus and immediately starts to proclaim Jesus um, in the synagogue, saying he's the son of God. And all who heard him were astounded, and all he says all these things. And Paul grew stronger and kept confounding the Jews in Damascus. But then they, they tried to kill him, and he ran away. They, they let him down, as, the, as, you'll, as, we'll, as we'll learn, in a basket from the wall. <coughs> but he does, and so, and right there, like, then the next verse, 26, when he arrived in Jerusalem. Well, that makes, us, makes it sound like he went straight from Damascus, escaped, and went to Jerusalem. But, Paul spent three years with Jesus in Arabia, right there, between verses 25 and 26. There's three years right there. How many years did Jesus walk this? Did Jesus do ministry with the, with the, with the disciples? Three years. I want to read a passage. So this is Galatians uh, chapter 1. <clears throat> this is where we get this. <clears throat> Galatians chapter 1, verses 11 through 24 says this, For I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that the gospel preached by me is not of human origin. So that, there's a, a line right there. So, this is, so, so he, he spent three years with Jesus, getting a fresh revelation from Jesus. This wasn't the result of research. This wasn't the result of, of testimony from others. This was Paul in Arabia in the presence of, of God. This is Paul in the spirit with Jesus Christ. He said, "My gospel, the go- that the gospel preached by me is not of human origin, for I did not receive it from a human source." This wasn't Peter or James' gospel that he was learning. This was straight from Jesus, straight from the horse's mouth. And I was not taught it, but it came by a revelation of Jesus Christ. For you have heard from my former way of life in Judaism, I intensely persecuted God's church and tried to destroy it. I advanced in Judaism beyond many, contem- beyond many contemporaries among my people because I was extremely zealous for the traditions of my ancestors. But when God, who, was, who from my mother's, wo- mother's womb set me apart and called me by his grace, was pleased to reveal his son in me, so that I could preach him among the Gentiles. I did not immediately consult with anyone. I did not go up to Jerusalem. Immediately. I did not go up to Jerusalem to learn the gospel. I didn't go up there. To those who had become apostles before me. Instead, I went to Arabia and came back to Damascus. Oh, that's right. Sorry, I misspoke. He didn't go. It's not between those two, those two verses. It's, it's somewhere in between uh, when he arrives in Damascus and probably among the verse, where is it? Because he immediately began pro- proclaiming Jesus. It may have been kind of where he was increased. He got grew, like verse 22. But Paul grew stronger and kept confounding the Jews. So he, may, he must have then come back after that. Sorry, I misspoke. Forgive me. <clears throat> There you go. Yeah. <laughs> then, then after three years, I did go up to Jerusalem to get to know Cephas, that's Peter. And I stayed with him 15 days. 
But I didn't see any of the other apostles except James, the Lord's brother. I declare in the sight of God, I am not lying in what I write to you. Afterward, I went to the regions of Syria and Cilicia. I remained personally unknown to the Judean churches that are in Christ. They simply kept hearing he who formerly per, uh, persecuted us now preaches the faith he once tried to destroy. And they glorified God because of me. Let's go back. All right. So Saul, or Paul, spent three years in Arabia. Why? What was he doing there? What was Paul doing in Arabia for those three years? As you know, he was given a fresh revelation. He was given a revelation of Jesus Christ in Arabia. That's how it came to him. For I did not receive this gospel by a human source. I was not taught it, but it came by revelation of Jesus Christ. Jesus was spending time in the presence of God. Even sometime sometime later in in the epistles, he'll say, I know a man who was taken up to the third heaven. And this is Paul giving us this narration. He was taken up in a trance into God's presence and spent this time with Jesus. So Jesus Himself just like he spent time around the campfire with Peter and James and John and Thaddeus and Matthew and all the, all, the, all the disciples. For three years, he walked and discipled and showed them and encountered with them and joked with them and laughed with them and loved them and hugged them, corrected them, showed them the Scriptures. Now Jesus is doing this with Paul. He spent three years with Paul next to a campfire, cooking supper with him, talking with him, embracing him, loving him, rejoicing with him, praying with him. Paul was spending, spent a lot of time in prayer. Jesus spent time with him, teaching him, revealing himself. That's where this concept of not of human origin came from. Because it didn't come through human origin. It wasn't his imagination. It was a revelation from Jesus Christ. But also think about this too. It was not just this revelation, I believe. I think that that Paul was sitting down and he was reevaluating everything that he had ever known or was ever taught by any rabbi or read in the Scriptures reading Isaiah 53 for the first time with the interpretation of, oh my gosh, that's Jesus. He was wounded for my transgressions. Man, I could just see him getting to that that verse and just falling to his knees and weeping for an hour. Wow, that's you. That's you. And Jesus is over there going... I know. (laughs) Cool, huh? (laughs) Because he's hanging out with Jesus as he's reinterpreting his entire faith. 
The whole thing that he was so zealous for. He was so zealous to destroy the church like we talked about because he was so zealous for the glory of Yahweh. For the glory of his God. And he was... And so he was reevaluating and realizing that all the zeal he had against the church, he now had zeal for the church, for the gospel. Why? Because he had a fresh revelation of Jesus Christ. And that ignited his zeal, it ignited his passion, it ignited his spirit, it gave him life, it breathed breath into him. You can almost imagine he's sitting there, you know, stoking the the, you know, the campfire. You know, <laughs> cool trick, by the way. If you need to like blow oxygen into a into a fire plate, fire pit to get it going, you know, just kind of make a little square with your fingers. <laughs> I learned that from my wife like a week ago. <laughs> but as he breathed the the breath and, and ignited the, the his fire to cook his his bread on. He was feeling that ignition in his spirit. That fire. The fire in his belly. Coming back. Because remember, like, like we said last week, like when, he, when he came to Damascus with this zeal and this fire in his belly to destroy the church, boom! It was immediately crushed by being blind. Being blinded. And confounded and befuddled told you I like that word. By the revelation of Jesus Christ saying, why are you persecuting me? And then he came to faith in Jesus, but he was still like, I don't even know what this means. And I think that's why, that's the mean, the, I think the immediate reason why he was like, okay, I need some time to process this. So as he's sitting there in Jesus' presence, he's feeling that. The same thing that the, the two disciples on their walk to Emmaus felt. Did our hearts not burn within us as he spoke? Paul's heart was burning. Because he was in the presence of Yahweh himself. And I could just see him there pouring over the scriptures. And the Holy Spirit's with him. And Jesus is like... Hey, do you see that? Hey, do you see that? Hey, do you see that? And that same Holy Spirit is the same one that is with us as we are pouring over the Scriptures saying, wow, what restoration, whoa. Blessed is the man who, who, who is like a tree and he puts his roots down deep. Wow. That same Holy Spirit is the same Spirit that was with Paul in Arabia. That's the same Spirit that's with you as you open up His Word. It's the same Spirit that's with you when you retreat to the mountains. Because here's the thing, like we're always going to be in, a, in a, a season of spiritual formation. We're, always, we're never stopping. We never cease to form our faith. That's the, the whole purpose of the daily devotional. The purpose of the daily devotional can be reading Scripture, can just be sitting in prayer, it can, it can be hanging out and reading a book. It can just be sitting in silence. It can be going and serving. 
But specifically, when you are sitting down with your time with the Lord, that's when you, that's when you can experience, well, you can, you can experience his, his presence all the time, but it's, it's when your spirit is being formed. Your, your, your spiritual nature, your, your, uh, your wisdom, your knowledge, your, your, you're, just, you're forming your beliefs, you're forming your faith on a daily basis through prayer and, and reading scripture and through engaging in like community and conversation. But there are these times that I like to kind of differentiate between spiritual formation and spiritual transformation. There's these, as my dad like always, always called them, aha moments. And he said that that's exactly what kept him going for 50 years in youth ministry. He lived to see the aha moment on teenagers' faces. That's what ignited his spirit. He loved just like hanging out with them and like they get something they're like, whoa! He's like, I know, right? Cool, huh? (laughs) But there's these times of just like spiritual awakening. These things that you just can't get out of your mind. You've got to just like sit and process for like a week. And I mean, gosh, you know, Ryan, Neil, and Josh, I mean, we had like, however many, like five sessions, plus the four by eights, plus like conversations. So it's like, we're going to be processing for like months. <laughs> it's, 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 there's so much that was condensed into this one three-day retreat. There are seasons that can even last years, like, like with Paul. His season lasted for three years. I had a season myself that was just like immensely transformative in my entire faith. I was, it was actually when we were in Idaho. We lived in Idaho and I was an interim pastor and bless that church. They were so patient with me. <laughs> I, was, I must have sounded like a lunatic. <laughs> um, but for, the, for those, that year and a half, my entire faith was flipped upside down. Everything I thought I knew basically kind of went out the window or was reformed, was rethought, was retooled. I was pouring over the entire scripture, looking at it through a new lens and saying, wow. You mean grace means grace? What? You you mean like I don't have to like work and like try to claw my way up and like trying to keep a short account with the Lord and make sure I'm confessing every sin and God's disappointed with me and angry with me and, and leaves me at times when I'm just in rebellion. I mean, he, he, he never does that. Grace means grace. Otherwise, if it was something that I could accomplish, it wouldn't be grace. I remember that aha moment that we had around the kitchen table. Where we both read that scripture, we're like, Other, you know, it's not by our works, otherwise grace wouldn't be grace. I was like, wow, mind-blowing. <laughs> and there's a whole lot to that, because of course it was on a year and a half. And then you guys were part of my processing of this. When I first came, I was a little caged stagey with, with the grace, and I apologize. <laughs> I was very passionate and you guys were very patient with me as I, as I processed through, okay, now how do we 
walk alongside people? How do we ingrain this into our lives? How do we see the, the Scripture through grace and, and the complete forgiveness of sins and the love of Christ? Versus just seeing our faith in the Christian church as sin management. Yahweh loves to spend time with those who seek them. God loves to spend time with you when you're seeking Him. I mean, think about this. Jeremiah 29, 12, You will call to Me and come and pray to Me and I will listen to you. You will seek Me and you're going to seek me a lot harder because I'm, I'm kind of hard to find. I've, made, I've hidden myself. And you really have to search really, really hard you know, and press in. Press in. It's going to be difficult. But if you, if you attain enough and you flagellate yourself enough, then maybe you might get a glimpse of me. Is that, is that what is it? No, you will seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. I will be found by you. This is the Lord's declaration. And we see Jesus Himself does this during the life of His ministry. During those days, He went out to the mountain, I almost see in parentheses, again, to pray and spent all night in prayer to God. What does in prayer to God mean? He just spent out, you know, hung out with His daddy. He's just hung out next to the campfire on top of a mountain with His Father. Sitting next to Him with His arm around Him. Hanging out. That's what prayer means. Prayer prayer is just simply being in the presence of God. Your spirit connecting with His spirit. Your heart connecting to God's heart. God transforming your mind. Being transformed by the renewing of your mind. It's this renewing of the mind by spending time with God. Spending time with our daddy. With our Abba, as the Bible calls him which is the Hebrew word for daddy. God loves to spend time sitting and staring at a campfire with you. Do you get that? That He wants to spend time with you. He desires it. He looks forward to it. He puts it on his calendar. He's like, all right, they're going to come and do this this weekend. I'm going to go out to the mountains this weekend. All right, I'll put it on my calendar too. I'll be there with bells on. Looking forward to it. I'm excited for it. Party hat and, and, and confetti emoji. So what do we do with this? As we see Paul in this passage, and we see, the, as we know, the subtext behind where he leaves and goes with God for, for a long time. What is he, he comes back. And he, he argues it so eloquently because he, is, he lives a life and he's encountered the presence of God. He's had a revelation of Jesus and he comes back excited, jazzed, I can almost see me. He's not like coming in there angry, like, you know, kind of plowing over these Jews in the synagogue. He's like, guys, he's amazing. 
I was just out in Arabia, and oh my gosh! Let's read Isaiah 53. It's amazing. Like, I just see him like bursting with joy. It's like, guys, you gotta see this. You gotta experience this. It's amazing, man. So what do we do? How can we retreat to the mountains and seek the Lord? Maybe it's physically. Maybe you physically are like, all right, I'm going to peace out for a day. I'm going to go and you know go to, up to the mountain, hang out with hang out with Jesus next to a campfire. Go maybe go to a campsite. Maybe go to a picnic area. Maybe just go for a drive. I don't know. Change. Here's the thing: like shift your environment. Because I think the, the the thing is, it's not that He can't speak to us in our home and give us you know spiritual revelation. I mean, God was just as as able to minister and to reveal himself to Paul in Damascus, but he left because he wanted to change his environment to where he wasn't distracted by the hustle and bustle of life. He wasn't distracted by the chores. He wasn't distracted by the to-dos. He wasn't distracted by the pile of dishes. He wasn't distracted by the pile of laundry. He wasn't distracted by the garden and all the needs, right? He wasn't distracted by all the things that so easily get in the way of our mind and our heart connecting with God. Change your environment. Go for a drive. If you can go for a hike, go for a hike. If you can't, just maybe go drive somewhere, park and sit on a bench. Go to a park. Sit down with the Lord and bring the transformation back. And here's going to be my my push right here. Your time in the mountains means nothing unless it changes and renews your life here. The mountains are the equipping ground for here. For your home, for your work, for your church, your community those are the preparation grounds for the mission of god everyone you know think about this everyone we all take vacations i mean how many people got you know tents or campers right ready to go packed and ready to go right (laughs) got a tent got a sleeping bag we'll get you one (laughs) right there you go there you go right there boom i love it i mean everyone takes vacations even if it's, a short, if it's a short one. I remember all the Motel 6s growing up. We take vacations. We get out of town. We need a change of scenery. But here's the thing. Not everyone encounters the revelation of Jesus Christ on their vacation. So here's my question. How can you cultivate an environment to receive a revelation of Jesus Christ and not just have a relaxing weekend this summer? How can you intentionally cultivate an environment, whether it's you by yourself or you with your family or you with family and friends, to intentionally receive a revelation of Jesus Christ? Men, fathers, How can you lead your families to encounter the living Christ this summer through changing the environment, but also stewarding that environment 
to encounter the presence of the Father and not just go out for a relaxing weekend? How can you intentionally cultivate an environment to receive that you can lead your and steward your family to encounter and experience the revelation of Jesus Christ? So maybe, you know, here's the thing. Make a plan. Whether it's you going out or whether your father intentionally you know, taking your families on vacation, make a plan. Okay, we're going to be here this night. How can I use this night to disciple my family and to pray together and be in His presence? Maybe we can just sing a song or two. Maybe we can read a passage of Scripture together. Intentionally steward these, these times. Use this summer. I don't want to encourage this. Use this summer. If you haven't gotten a chance to go on vacations, if you haven't had a chance to go camping, if you haven't had a chance to just get out of the city and just go and be with the Lord, I really I would, I would love to encourage you this summer, make it a priority. Make it a priority. Even if it's just you. Just you by yourself. Change your environment. Go take a tent and go camp out by the river. Go to the hot springs. Just be with God around a campfire. So that you can actively pursue the presence of God this summer. Because spiritual transformation, the things that completely transform our life, our trajectory, as we see with Paul in this passage, everything about his life changed. Spiritual transformation is found in the revelation of Jesus Christ. So intentionally cultivate an environment to where you can encounter a spiritual revelation of Jesus Christ. Lord, we thank you for your word. God, we thank you for this, for that three-year period that you gave Paul out, out in Arabia. A time to spend with him. A time to love on him. A, a time to, for him to be in your presence and to just delve into your word and to see your heart, to see your glory, to see your goodness in a way that completely transformed and ignited the rest of his life and mission on this earth. Lord, let us also experience that ourselves. Lord, draw us close. Help us to shift our environment. Take time with You to engage with You, God. Lord, draw us close to You as we draw close to You. As we seek You, Lord, let us find You when we seek you with all of our heart. And Lord, let it change everything. I pray for a season of transformation in the life of everyone here at Shift Church. I pray that you will do a mighty work. God, that you would awaken and Lord, baptize us again. Fill us again with your Holy Spirit. Fill us, fill our entire lives. Lord, fill your church with your Holy Spirit. Because without your presence, Lord, we are nothing. Without your presence here at Shift Church, God, we might as well just close the doors.
Lord, we want You. We want Your presence. We want Your glory. Please, God, show us Your glory. Show us Your glory. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.